Psalm uh, chapter 96 and verse 9, I want to talk to you about the holiness of God. And what I was, what I was thinking that I would like to do and what I've been praying about for about a year uh, on the, uh, is, is to talk to you through uh, the core values of Church of Living Water. If you go to the website, they're there. I just put up these uh, banners. I've had them in the closet for over a year uh, waiting on the timing of the Lord to talk about our uh, core values, that's the first seven of a list of core values, or the top seven uh, of our core values, um, scripture, Pentecost, holiness, Christ's kingdom, all generations, uh, justice, and generosity. And then there are some others uh, uh, there on the website if you go and look. But I wanted to, to go through these particularly, and uh, the Holy Spirit was not releasing me to do this in a series. But he said, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you when and, and, and which one. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about the value of holiness, uh, and, and I'm just going to give you the things that the Lord gave me. There's so much more than that, but I'm going to just very quickly talk about holiness uh, that, that is a core value here at Church of Living Water. The things you value define and, and help you with the decisions of your life. If you value purity, then you'll make decisions based on that value, right? Well, if you value holiness... You'll make your, your life decisions based on the things that you value. So we, we become, we're kind of a value-driven people. Uh, we, we, we've always based our decisions, the decisions that we make, uh, on the things that we value. And, uh, and so that's the reason that we even have core values, because it defines and, and helps us decide. We're not going to do something crooked or, or dishonest, because we value righteousness. We value holiness, so we're going to try to do things that are, uh, that are um, holy to the Lord and that represent the holiness of God. So I want to talk to you about holiness. The, Psalm 96 and verse 9 says, Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. Now in the culture that we're in, in the Christian culture that we're in today, in, in this day and age, the Christian culture that we're living in, holiness has become an unpopular word particularly because we fail to understand it. Not because of, you know, in the old days, in, in the Old Testament, uh, God was declared to be a holy God, and because God was a holy God, if you were unrighteous, you couldn't go into his presence, and if you went into his presence, you would die there, and they dragged you out by, the, by a rope. So, they, so the holiness of God produced a sense of fear. Well, that's why the writer said, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness and fear before him. The writer was basically saying, God is holy, take that seriously. And so I want to talk to you about that because uh, in the current environment that we are in, uh, because we've become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and he's made us righteous so that we can come in and out of his presence, then we've ceased to value holiness. As a value, we... we we cease to value it and understand it because we know that no matter how bad I've been, I can, I, can, I can go into the presence of Jesus. I can go into his presence because of the blood of Jesus. Thank God for it, right? Somebody ought to say amen. Thank God for that. So I want to talk to you uh, briefly about what holiness is. Holiness is, it first described here in this passage, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Holiness is the essence of the beauty of God. Holiness is what makes God beautiful. 
Holiness is the essence of his beauty. The worshipers around the throne, if you go and you read in, the, in, in Revelation, the Bible says that the, the cherubs, uh, uh, the, the seraphims or whatever, are flying around the throne. They, they have six wings. Two, with two, they cover their feet. To honor the Lord, with two, they cover their faces in humility. And with two, they fly. And the Bible says there's only one thing that comes out their mouth. Holy, holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy. You know what I discovered as I was reading that? They don't fly around and say, righteous, righteous, righteous. They don't fly around and say, grace, grace, grace. They don't fly around and say, forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. They only say one thing. They say, God is holy. There is a constant reminder from the throne and from the presence of God that he is holy. So they're only given that one thing to say, honoring his holiness, reverencing the holiness of God. So holiness is the essence of the beauty of the Lord. It is the primary characteristic of God's nature. I mean, understand there's all kinds of characteristics of God's nature. We're, we're caught up in our generation with God as love. Oh, he loves me. He does. He loves you. Jesus loved you so much. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. That, we're, we're good with that. But they're not flying around the throne going, he is love, he is love, he is love. You know why? Because his love, the characteristic of love that is in God comes out of his holiness. Every other characteristic of God comes out of his holiness. His primary characteristic is holiness. You know why? Because holiness is God's DNA. Love is not God's DNA. Righteousness is not his DNA. Forgiveness is, grace is not his DNA. It's all part of him, part of his characteristics, but holiness is the DNA of God. Who is God? He is holy. The Bible doesn't say, the Bible says God is holy. He is holy. It is his DNA. And then all those other characteristics that are part and strands of that DNA, the love and the, and the grace and the mercy and the strength and the wisdom and, the, and all of that comes out of the holiness of God at his primary characteristic. The primary characteristic of God's DNA is holiness. So for us, what is holiness? Holiness in the life of the believer is a work of grace. It's not, it's, I want to tell you this, it's not produced in the struggle of self. You cannot, with your own struggle, produce an environment of holiness. Are you with me? That doesn't mean you shouldn't strive to be holy. It just means that you cannot, in and of your own strength and without the help of the Lord and, and without the grace of the Holy Spirit, you cannot produce holiness. That's what... They were trying to figure out in the Old Testament under the law the whole time. They thought they were righteous and that they were holy because they were sons of Abraham, and Jesus corrected that. Okay, so it's not produced through the struggle of self. It is produced, listen to this, you probably never heard this terminology quite this way before. It is produced through the striving of grace. Grace and striving, do those go together? Oh, yes. It's produced through the striving of grace. 
The Bible says strive to enter in. There's an element of striving. There's an element of striving that belongs to the life of the believer. You are making an effort. You're not making an effort to become righteous. Jesus took care of that. You can't produce holiness, but you strive toward it. You strive toward righteousness. You strive toward obedience. Someone said we were listening to... to, uh, uh, a teaching this week, and, and the guy says, uh, what is uh, the love, God's love language? Anybody know what God's love language is? You know what God's love language is? God's love language is obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, you obey me. That's God's love language. Do the things I say. If you love me, you can say you love Jesus all day. If you aren't following him, you're kidding yourself. You're kidding yourself. But anyway, we're not here to talk about that. That just free. So holiness is the essence of the beauty of the Lord. It is the DNA of God. It is God's primary characteristic, it is primary characteristic of God's nature, his DNA. Okay, what holiness is not? Let's talk about that really quickly. Holiness is not legalism. It is not rigid inflexibility. That is not holiness. Holiness is not impossible to obtain. See, we, we've convinced ourselves, well, I'm a sinner, and I always will be, and so I just as well give myself, in, give in. Uh-uh! Do we sin so that grace may abound? God forbid that we should do that. Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8. But... Holiness is not idealism. It is not rigid inflexibility. It is not impossible to obtain. You know why it's not impossible to obtain? God will not ask you to do something He will not grace you to do. God will not ask of you something that He will not impart to you the grace to be able to accomplish what He asks of you. So it's not legalism. It's not obtained, holiness is not obtained through a system of works, through anguish. Legalism is a flesh-produced behavior in an attempt to appeal to God. How many of y'all trying to please God? You should try to please God. How many of y'all are trying to please God so he'll accept you? Uh-uh. You, you are trying to please God because he accepts you not trying to please God so he will accept you. There's a difference. You understand that? Can you see the difference there? We, we try to please God because we love him. We, we endeavor to please him because we love him and he loves us. We're not endeavoring to please him to get him to love us. You can't get God to love you. You get to be loved by him. Woohoo! You get to receive his love. You don't get to earn it, you get to receive it. So holiness is not legalism obtained through flesh-produced behaviors. Righteousness, holiness, spirituality in appearance, an attempt to produce a desired end. I don't get to say, well, I'd like to be more holy and and so, and then I set about in a system of works to produce that. I have to go before the Lord and say, Lord, scrub me up. I'm not holy 
uh, I'm not righteous uh, uh, apart from Christ and, I, and, and my life isn't, isn't a picture of holiness. Would you scrub up the things in me that, that don't look like you and, and scrub them out of my life? Then I have to listen and obey what he says when he starts to scrub in. I feel like a pot sometimes that's been overcooked and all the sauce and, and such is burned to the sides of the pot and then God's taking his old scratcher and he's going, come on, it's coming off of you. It's coming off of you. I'm not going to stop until it comes off. And I'm like, please. No, you've got to let him scrub you up. So, I want to talk about, well, let, let me, let me uh, first of all, oh, one more thing. It is not intended to create judgments between individuals. Holiness is not intended to create judgments between, particularly between believers, but between individuals. There are some religious systems, I won't call them Christian, although they believe in Jesus, they're religious systems that they believe they're more holy than others. They believe they got it going on. We got this, we got this doctrine right. <laughs> and y'all missed it. You ever been around people like that? Yeah. Just stay away from those folks. Hug them, love them, pray for them, run away from them. Yeah. <laughs> Don't hug them too long. So it is not holiness. The holiness of God is not created, uh, is not purpose to create judgments between individuals. We're not measuring ourselves against ourselves. Individually or collectively. We're not measuring ourselves with comparisons intended to motivate change. Sometimes, listen, we're, we're to be examples to the believer, Right? I'm supposed to be an example to the believer. You're supposed to be an example to the believer. But when I fail to be an example to the believer, you're not supposed to get discouraged because I failed. If you get discouraged because I failed, you got your eyes in the wrong place. When we get discouraged as a church because leaders fail, we've got our eyes in the wrong place. If you stare me down long enough, I will disappoint you. I've already figured that out. I, I'm, I'm finally comfortable with the fact. You hang out with me long enough, I will say or do something that will disappoint you. If that discourages you from your walk with God, you are looking at the wrong place. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. That's why the Apostle Paul, with great boldness, said, follow me as I follow Christ. you know why? Because he knew he was going to have moments that didn't look like Jesus, and he didn't want you to follow him in those steps, in those moments. Follow me as I follow Christ. Look at my example of walking with Christ and follow that. But when you catch me on a bad day and I say something I shouldn't say or I give a look I shouldn't give or I give a response that's unacceptable, pray for me. <laughs> Don't be discouraged by me. Don't let it throw you. But pray for me and lift me up. And I'll do the same for you. So the Apostle Paul warned against that in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, and I'm going to read this particular passage from the Amplified. It says, We do not have the audacity to put ourselves in the same class or to compare ourselves with some who supply testimonials to commend themselves. 
They talk about themselves. Been around anybody who said, look at me and what I've done. Look how much I've accomplished for Jesus. Good, you have your reward. Go away now. Because that's what was going on. There were some folks in the midst that were going, look how much I accomplished. So, he said, they measure themselves by themselves. Well, I got 10, to- 10 souls saved this month. Well, I got 12. Well, I got 14. Well, I put you all to shame because I brought 20 people to Jesus. Don't go away. Get away from me. You know, I don't want to hear that. It's wonderful that we do works of the kingdom. But, but it's, in the, it's in the pastoral gatherings where they, they come and listen, listen. They, they, when I get among other pastors, no one ever says to me, how many people were healed in your church this week? No one ever says to me, how many people are you discipling right now? No one ever says to me, how many people were baptized in the Holy Spirit this week or this month? You know what they say? How many folks are attending your church now? Because comparison, we do not, the Bible says we don't compare ourselves amongst ourselves. And they're, and, they're, and they're looking, and there's this little strand of, oh, you had 98, I had 102. <laughs> are you kidding me? So I've learned to say, what's God saying to you right now? What's the word of the Lord that's on your tongue right now? What of the Spirit of God is coming up out of you right now? That's what I want to know. I don't want to know how many people your personality can draw to the pew. I want to know how God is moving in your midst and what he's saying to you today. What is the word of the Lord in season in your house? You ask people that, they're like, oh, well, I'm teaching on stewardship, you know. No, what is God saying right now? Okay. So what does holiness produce? Holiness identifies the believer. Holiness identifies the believer. It is God's DNA. So holiness is your DNA. This is why the way of the transgressor is hard. If God deposits the DNA of holiness in me and I go live in sin, there comes an internal conflict within me. It's like, This is why people come to pastors all the time and they say, Pastor, is it a sin if I do this and if I do that? Well, if you have to ask me. You know, ever since I started saying if you have to ask, people quit asking me that question because they don't want to hear the answer to that. At the DNA level is where holiness is produced. Now, when you come to Jesus, the things that are, evi- that, that are present in your DNA may not be immediately evident. We were looking, I'm, I was looking at the, the, the grandbaby the other day, the, John and Felicia's little boy, Jason. I was looking at him the other day, and I'm thinking, does he look like Felicia? Yeah, does he look, do I see Jonathan in him? No, not, not as much as I see Felicia. Boy, I see some of those little sisters of his in that DNA. But when he is an adult, you know, people always told me that I looked like my mother, and I, and I, and I do resemble her quite a lot. Uh, but when I look in the mirror, the older I get, I see my father. 
I give looks. I catch glimpses of myself when I'm looking at my kids or, or having conversations. I catch a glimpse of me in the mirror and I see a look that my dad would give and I'm like, whoa, there's some of that daddy DNA, <laughs> right? So the longer that we walk with God, the longer that we live with the DNA of God in our system, the more that, that we, it is produced in us to look like him as we mature. As we mature, we look more like God. Are you getting that? Are you following that train of thought? So at the DNA level, holiness is there. It is present, although it may not be evident immediately. But Leviticus 20, 26 says, you must be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. So he says, be holy. So there's an indication that not only is it part of our DNA, but it's to become part of our behavior. Part of the outflow of our life. Not manufactured, but part of the outflow through a work of grace. Because you, you cannot manufacture good stuff even if you try. I want to I go and watch you manufacture the good stuff and maintain that. No, it didn't work. Once we're guilty of one part of it, we're guilty of all of it. Well, I stand guilty before God except for Jesus. If it wasn't for Jesus, I'm guilty. Right? Okay. But the process of holiness, holiness identifies the believer and then holiness sanctifies the believer. God sets you apart. Sanctification means set apart. Say, I'm set apart. Set apart. Here's what happened. Here's what happens. God sets you apart. He says, come on over here. Come out from amongst them and be separate, says the Lord. That's scripture. Are you following me? Here's, here's the world that's walking in sin, living in sin, has no regard for the things of God. And God takes you by the hand. He leads you out of that. And he says, come out from among them and be separated. Then you have a decision to make. He separates you, then you have to separate you. You have to decide, do I stay separated or am I going to go back over here and kick back for a while? I'm sorry it's on this side, guys, but... <laughs> over here, I'm separated. Over here, I'm unpredictable because I, got, because I have the DNA of God in me. He's deposited his DNA in me, but I'm struggling with the decision of whether or not to come out and be separate. Whew. I don't want to stay on that too long. You must be holy because I'm holy. I've set you apart from all other people to be my very own. Scripture says you're a, a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I think it's time for believers in the earth to start behaving like we are a royal priesthood and a holy nation. Set apart to bring the glory of the Lord into the earth and to give glory to God through works of the kingdom. Mm. You're set apart unto God. So here, let me, let me help you this. The longer, let me help you with this. The longer that you are, God sets you apart, then you agree to be set apart. And the longer that you are in relationship with God, the more you reflect his holiness by interaction with his character. Righteousness is given to you. It's imputed. You can't make yourself more righteous. You are as righteous as you will ever be. But you can become more holy. 
There's a progression of holiness. You have holiness DNA. Ooh, I like that. You have holiness DNA. And that holiness DNA is supposed to be, be producing holy fruit. Holy expressions out of your life. So, the longer you're in a relationship with God, the more you reflect his holiness by interaction with his character and his personality as you live out life in the wisdom and understanding that you gain from your relationship with him. I'm able to, to have better behaviors today if it was about behaviors. My behaviors are better today than they were years ago simply because I have greater wisdom and understanding from the presence of the Lord. And there's times when he teaches me things and I'm a slow learner and he says, all right, are you going to do what I'm teaching you? Are you actually going to respond now and do this? Are you going to cry out to the Lord when you need healing? You learned that today. Or are you just going to go, oh, God, heal me. Oh, well, I guess I didn't get it. All right. So righteousness is imputed. It's given without effort on your part. Righteous is immediate in the life of the believer. The moment you say yes to Jesus, you are righteous. Holiness is developed in a combination of DNA and character development. Say DNA and character development. I'm going to show you that right now through Scripture. Leviticus 11.44, there was a call from God. He said, I am Yahweh, your God, so you must consecrate yourselves. I'm, I've consecrated you. Now you consecrate you. And in that consecration, this is what happens in closing. There are three avenues of cultivating holiness. Three avenues of cultivating holiness. In 1 John 3, 2, the scripture says, Beloved, now we are the children of God. The day that my children were born, they possessed my DNA. Now they're my children. The day they were conceived, actually. And it is not yet revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. I want to give you three things out of that passage of Scripture that, that will produce true holiness. First of all, there are things your, your children inherit from you because they have your DNA. They just, they get it. Sometimes my kids act like me in that young, immature, passive-aggressive way that I had to get delivered from. And I'm like, I know where they get that, oh God! They got that from me! Right? Well, you won't get anything from God that you'll respond to that way, but nevertheless. There are things your children simply inherit from you because they have your DNA. Galatians 2 and 20, the, the apostle said, it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me, his DNA. It's not my life that's being lived anymore. Would you, you must decide that it's not your life that's being lived anymore. He chooses, you don't, okay? Then there are things that your children inherit from you because they do life with you. They spend time with you. And in spending time with you, they gain your wisdom and your understanding. My children make decisions in their life now from the wisdom and understanding that they received as they were growing up in my home. Those that are out on their own. 
when they make a decision that has its root in the wisdom and understanding that they gain from mom and daddy, from mom and daddy, that, that's, that's an expression of our DNA. But it wasn't that they got it because they were born to our house. They got it because they grew up in our house. There's some things you get out of the wisdom and understanding of God that produce holiness in you by the spending time with and growing up in His presence, maturing in His presence. You don't get it any other way. You don't get it just because that strand of DNA is in you. You get it because you learned of Him. Um, Proverbs 1.8 says, My son, listen to my instruction and do and obey my precepts. Do the things that I teach you. And then there are things your children inherit from you because they love you and they desire to please you. Out of a love heart, they don't want to disappoint you, so they follow your instruction and your example. John 14, 15, Jesus said, If you love me, do the things that I say. So there's three strands... A three-strand cord, the Bible says, is not easily broken. There's three str- a three-strand cord that produces the holiness of God in the life of the believer. It's God's DNA. It's dwelling with him in his presence, gaining out of his word and by the spirit, his wisdom and understanding. And then it's walking in obedience to those things that he imparts to us. Got that? Holiness. Holiness. We value... We value holiness. It is, in that, it should no longer be a, fr- a fearful thing to you when someone says, yeah, you're a believer, you're supposed to be holy. You'll either say one of two things. Yeah, I'm working on that. <laughs> or if they're calling you on your stuff, you'll say, yeah, you're right, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have been behaving that way because it doesn't represent well my father and I want to please him. Don't be offended if someone calls you on your stuff. Be built up by it. 